Welcome to Rising to the Top, Lessons in Leadership, brought to you by Columbia University. This is a podcast where we interview senior industry leaders who share the secrets of their success and reveal pivotal moments that impacted their career path. Come listen as they shed light on obstacles they overcame, as well as wins they achieved. Today's conversation will be with Sam Kwan Kruger, Head of Digital Communications at United Nations Development Program. One of just stress how important it is to think about self-care not in the context of work but really just in the context of how we approach our lives and for me the the most important thing is making sure that i'm healthy both physically and mentally sam Juan kruger has over 20 years of experience in management and strategic communication for companies such as e-trade jp morgan chase discover financial services and lvmh as well as large mission-driven organizations including the United Nations and UNICEF. Sam led the planning, development, and launch of major digital and capital investment projects, including the global overhaul and redesign of the United Nations Development Program's digital ecosystem of over 170 websites supporting 35 different languages, the merger of Citibank and Discover Financial Student Loan Web Properties, and the expansion and launch of the New Museum of Chinese in America, based in New York City. Sam is also the recipient of 1998's National Service Fellowship from the United States Corporation for National and Community Service and the 2005 National Urban Fellowship. Sam, thanks so much for for being with us here today. I'm really excited to to hear about your career. I'd like to get started by by talking about something that that we had discussed in our in our prior conversation. You had mentioned how how careers can be messy and complex and how you advise others to feel comfortable with uncertainty. Can you speak more about this idea and what this has allowed you to do personally in your career? So I'm glad we're starting off with this question because it's sort of a reality check uh, that will ground the rest of my comments today. Life is messy and what I'm gonna say isn't going to be a picture perfect view of uh, the world and, and career development. When it comes to uncertainty, for me, there are two dimensions of that. It's There's the intellectual experience of uncertainty. You have plans, they don't pan out as you expect them to be, and then you have to think through uh, the moment. You know, Where are you in your life? What are the opportunities ahead of you? What experience and skill sets do you have? And where how are you going to pivot? So that's all intellectual. Um, the other part of uncertainty is the emotional experience of uncertainty, and that's harder to deal with. So, you know, you might uh, have a family to support, bills to pay. You might, you know, feel as if you don't have the, the exact skill sets to to be uh, get, get employed for the next job. So that puts a lot of anxiety and stress. So intellectual stuff aside, because I feel like that's the easier stuff, and every and that's going to be specific to every person. The emotional part is uh, something that I think people need to learn how to handle. There is going to be anxiety, and for me, the way I've handled it is really uh, through meditation, through mi- mindfulness insight meditation, which has been very tremendous. I don't know if people are familiar with that type of meditation, but it's been uh, become very popular, I think, uh, in recent years. 
certainly through the pandemic, uh, people have been talking more about me uh, meditation and mental health. That's a tool, a tool to deal with uh, the emotional aspects of uncertainty. But then you understand intellectually what the situation is, you understand emotionally what the situation is, and then you have to expose yourself more often to those situations. And through that con constant exposure, let's say, to new new situations or new responsibilities or new projects, having that constant exposure to uncertainty, you become more familiar with it. That doesn't say that uncertainty uh, stops, it continues. It's uh, That's the nature of uncertainty. Uh, but you'll become a little more familiar with how your body is reacting to it, your mind is reacting to it, and how you potentially can address the, these situations. So what I just outlined is pretty much how I've dealt with uncertainty. Um, I've learned how to deal with it, both from the intellectual, emotional, and then just getting familiar with the constant change that happens around us. Can you talk a little bit about your current role as head of digital communications at the United Nations Development Program? So I manage a team of uh, roughly 17 people, and we oversee the global communications ecosystem, digital ecosystem for external uh, relations and advocacy and communications. And what that involves is uh, a lot of social media cha channels and uh, a corporate web environment that we uh, control and uh, production of content, and then all the work that goes into maintaining uh, uh, that environment, as well as keeping track of the conversations that are happening online and making sure that the organization's, uh, UNDP's uh, key messages and position are represented uh, correctly uh, out there in the world. And one thing I want to say about working uh, with such a large team is that there's a lot of advantages uh, because we work globally, and I would say more than half of the team members are uh, in different time zones. And so there are a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different skill sets that the team brings, uh, brings together. And so we're able to be fairly nimble when it comes to uh, understanding what's happening in the envir digital environment. And then, uh, and then ha having a response to that because of the, the variety of expertise and perspectives. What keeps you working for organizations like the UNDP? Because you've obviously made a, a life choice or a career choice to do that. It's sort of been an organic process for me. Um, when I left uh, college uh, the, first, the first time, and I'll talk more about that. But uh, when I left the first time, I had certain ideas of what I wanted to do. Uh, and it wasn't mostly about work. It was uh, more about how I wanted my, to live my life. And, um, and work was a part of that. And along the way, you just, oh, I just learned what worked for me, what didn't work. And, you know, what I tended toward, what I, uh, what I needed out of my uh, my work. Having landed at, uh, in the UN system, um, and UNDP isn't the first UN agency I worked for, uh, it's uh, UNICEF was the first one. And then from UNICEF, I moved to the UN Development Program. And, um, but be, being here at this stage in my life uh, has really be, been a culmination of just experiences. And 
uh, and it's not anything I had planned to do. And why I'm here and why I stay here uh, and why I continue to pursue this type of work is because I like the creative work that I do. I, lo I love managing teams. I love uh, having the experiences that I, I have in my life to, and sharing that, but not in the way that I would recall of past experiences and apply those. It's more that because I've had so much life experience, I can actually analyze that and then take the situation and figure out how to facilitate a change or facilitate uh, growth uh, with the current team. I wanted to, to go back to this idea of uh, managing and, and, and leadership. So you, you manage quite a large team. Are there certain things that you've learned along the way as a manager that that surprised you yes and i've only really had two big management positions this one at undp and the my previous one was at uh, the museum of chinese in america in both cases uh, i was surprised at how incredibly unstructured my days would be in other jobs when i wasn't managing i could i could lay out a plan and and get things done i was expected to get things done on a deadline but as a manager you're constantly tackling the randomness of of people's lives and the situation that happen or unfold in a day. Maybe there is a request that comes from another office for something to be done that wasn't part of the plan, and or again, you know, people are out sick, or you know, a piece of technology isn't working, or we're having some issues with the budget. You know, it's just never anything you would, uh, or at least I would expect to have happen. And, um, and so it makes my days very unstructured. The other thing I think uh, that is unique uh, for managers, or at least for me, and, and this just came about during the pandemic, is that um, I ha I've had to learn to re manage remotely. And I had mentioned that, that, that half of the team, more than half the team, lives outside of this time zone. And, um, and in fact, you know, we have one person uh, in in New Zealand, uh, a few in in Europe, one in in South Asia. So you know we're, we're quite spread out, and I was I've been surprised at how effective I've been at managing remotely, uh, and I kind of like it um, because you know when you're in the office and it's an open open design um, arrangement, uh, it can get noisy. And, and chaotic, and and there's a certain um, quality to that, a positive quality to, to that, but it also can get really distracting for me, you know? Um, so working remotely and managing people remotely, I'm able to like set up systems and and then have these Zoom calls and email and, uh, and chat with people, and then just turn that off and focus on what I need to get done and not worry uh, about the noise around me. So I do find that the remote management uh, work is, uh, is, is fun and, uh, and that it can be very effective. Sam, can you talk a, a bit about if you've seen certain changes with, with digital communication that have occurred from the, from the pandemic, either through your work at, at UNDP or, or just in general, and, and where you see digital communication going? I kind of got, got lucky through the pandemic, maybe, is the way I'll phrase it, because it forced a lot of people to have to use digital communication tools. 
And prior to that, you know, I was dealing with the outside of my business unit, I would have to work with others who weren't quite digitally savvy and, and having to educate them and explain to them, you know, uh, what digital communications is and what to manage their expectations. But having had the pandemic and people really going through the difficulties of, you know, communicating with other people, connecting with other people, trying to uh, create impact from, from a remote dis, uh, from a remote office, there were more people who became sympathetic to, to what uh, the limitations of digital communications are. So that improved their digital literacy uh, as well. So that's one of the things that came out of the pandemic in terms of uh, how digital, in my mind, has changed, is that more people have become uh, experienced with the digital communication tools and are familiar with the, the language and the the applications. Where digital communications is going, that's very hard to predict. I don't think I can, I definitely can't predict that. But, you know, what I'll say is that, and this is, you know, repetition of what I've said previously, is that there's just constant change and disruptions. And and digital is an area where much of it happens, I think. So whether an organization or company like Google makes a modification to the search engine or, or you know, Twitter has a change in its brand and ownership and whether AI is, uh, is going to be applied in our daily work, that, that happens on a regular basis, it seems like. You know, those working in digital just need to build that skill set of, of dealing with change and technical change and and how uh, to then adjust or rebalance themselves uh, and their tools and the way they approach communications based on the latest technology. And right now, for example, like generative AI, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people know exactly how it's going to be used in digital communications. everyone's still testing it and there are some problems with it and some great aspects of it as well but um right now we're just in the exploratory phase of that technology i wanted to go back to earlier towards the top of the conversation you were talking about how meditation has has become a big part of your your practice the way that you live your life it's helped you with uncertainty would you say that this is the the main thing that you do with regards to how you practice self-care as well? Yes. Um, you know, I know we're talking in the context of career careers right now, but I, I you know, I want to just stress how important it is to think about self-care, not in the context of work, but really just in the context of how we uh, approach our lives. So yeah, I do put a lot of time into uh, my mental wellness. So that means getting good, uh, a lot of sleep, uh, enough sleep rather. Um, eating well, exercising. Um, I also go on meditation retreats where you know you're silent for like seven days straight, and that's amazing. I, I know it sounds crazy, and I, I hope I don't come across as this new agey zealot. The other thing I love that helps me with just clearing my mind is just being outdoors. Like I love camping and hiking and just going very far into the wilderness on my own, um, uh, and just knowing that. It took all my physical effort to get that far, to see that vista, and to, to experience something that I couldn't do in my car, for example. That's interesting because the, the things that you've described in some ways, the, the meditation, the 
going into the woods, it seems like you really value, uh, I don't know if it's personal time or this idea of like solitude, just like being, being alone with your thoughts or, or your feelings or, or what it may be. It does. It's something I value. I just hope your your audience doesn't imagine me as like this goth person, all dressed in black, with black eye makeup, and I'm not like that. But um, no, no, you know, I love being outdoors. Uh, there's something very that connects me to what is feels very much myself. But I've also brought family members and friends along sometimes, and I've gotten into the habit uh, now that my nieces and nephews are kidding of college age, that uh, after a year of college, I take them somewhere in the world and we travel, and I love that too. And so um, to have that experience with other people is also very important as well. Very cool. As a, as a Columbia University graduate, I know you attended Columbia as, a, as an undergrad. Uh, so you understand, you'd have a better understanding than, than most people about the Columbia University experience. I was wondering if you had any advice that you would like to give to Columbia students around how they can make the most of their time at Columbia or, you know, even just being, being at a university. So I was very fortunate. I never had a bad class at Columbia and all the instructors were just great and uh, I got a lot out of them. I found that being in the smaller classes and seminars would uh, I, was easier for me to connect with the instructors, you know, just connecting with the TA, for example, or, you know, an adjunct professor is, is fine. And because um, people live very interesting lives, the ones that are instructing us, and they too have like different perspectives that uh, of the world around them. And if you can have an exchange with them, that would be great. So I, I should also mention, I was a non-traditional student at Columbia. So I had already gone through an undergraduate experience uh, earlier, right after high school. But then after maybe a decade of working, uh, I felt like I needed to go back to school to have more of an economics orientation. So I, I majored in economics when I came to Columbia. And I have to say that that really has changed how I view the world now. And maybe that was a pivotal moment. The economic language is just so opaque if you don't understand it and the concepts, uh, because the news is all, you know, about maybe inflation, for example, and cost of living and, and poverty or, you know, 1% and understanding, you know, what why the systems and structures that create you know, the, these, uh, the distribution of wealth. Um, it was just very useful, I think, for me. But having been a non-traditional student, uh, the path, here's the common theme, wasn't very clear. You know, I spoke to a lot of non-traditional students, those that had graduated um, and, and had come back and maybe uh, spoke on a panel. And so I suggest that people find, uh, students find or uh, uh, graduates find people who are similar to them in their, in their life uh, stage. And, and ask those questions and, and you know, figure out how they've you know, achieved what they've achieved. I guess this is what we're doing right now in this interview. Because I certainly definitely uh, benefited from getting the advice of people who were, who were also you know, not traditional students who probably didn't fit the, the image or mold. I think the other thing I'd like to say about my uh, Columbia experience is that it, it was a very stressful time. It, it, you know, it, the academics was definitely uh, demanding. 
And to deal with that stress, I went to uh, the mental health services at Columbia, and those were amazing. They were great. The instructor, uh, the people working there are Columbia-educated professionals, uh, and I worked with a psychologist for two years. I was assigned as a psychologist, and you know, she really helped me work through some of my uh, you know, stress and thinking about uh, you know life. I think. Um, so I, I would say make use of that if you you know you feel like you're feeling a lot of pressure and, and stress and you know kind of confused. It's always good to have a professional third party uh, there to to help you reflect on potentially where to go. Thanks so much for your time today, Sam. This was really great. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Rising to the Top: Lessons in Leadership. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. To get more information and tips on how you can advance your career, visit Columbia University's Career Design Lab at careerdesignlab.sps.columbia.edu.